to the flag hunting podcast here we are week two of the pga 2022 season um and yeah so we're just we're uh, gonna wrap up the uh, century tournament champions at kapaloa and then we're gonna do a quick recap or a sorry not a quick recap we're gonna talk about the upcoming tournament sunny open um in part of this hawaii swing here um so yeah ian how you, how you feeling uh, yeah, we want to talk about the tournament champions first. Uh, not <laughs> not our best showing to start 2021. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, it was a tough one, man. It's it's never it's never fun when you're a public tout and you uh you wake up Sunday morning with no one within ten shots of the lead. Um, but you kind of got that feeling on Sunday after, or on Saturday afternoon, like oh okay, like Cam and Rom, like they're not backing up. Like JT went out and shot the 61, and the Nationals were going crazy, and as well they should. He had a great round of golf and. He, he walked off the 18th green, I think, one shot behind behind Cam Smith. And I think by the time he woke up on Sunday, he was 11 shots back. No, that might not – maybe like nine or ten shots back. But, um, man, yeah, they just did not relent. I, I don't know how much of it you saw, but, um, man, if there was ever a PGA Tour 2K 2021 advert in real life, uh, Kapaloo was it. Yeah, it, and I, I think I heard this on the, on the scramble today, which is a podcast that you – it kind of showed me to listen to, but uh, yeah, they were talking about how it just felt like video game numbers. And uh, I tuned in. I didn't really get to watch much on Sunday, but I watched a good bit on Friday and Saturday. And man, it just felt like, especially with two guys at the top, Cam Smith at minus 34 and John Rowland at minus 33, it just felt like they could do no wrong. And I think I can only recall in the two days that I watched seeing one bad shot from either of them. And it was from when he hit it into the, like the right yeah. side of like the tall grass. He slipped on, um, the, t- he slipped on the tee box and he, yeah. he yeah and that was that was the only thing i mean and even like got on the greens you would have thought there was a backboard like neither of them could miss it was insane yeah i mean that's that's what they talked about on a lot of the the recap shows the scramble you mentioned uh you know pat mayo big game all these guys uh doing golf content i mean when you get these guys we talked about last week with the wide fairways um for giving conditions no wind and then soft greens I mean, it's no coincidence we saw the course record get either tied or broken four times, I believe. Uh, Matt Jones shot a Sunday 61. Rom and JT shot 61. So there's now three guys tied for the course record. Moore Cowell shot a 62 on Sunday, which would have tied the course record previously. Um, yeah, it was just an ab- – I've never seen anything like it. Um, <clears throat> 34 under is – I'm pretty sure the deepest anyone's ever went at the PGA Tour event. I, and 31 under was the previous four-round course record at Kapalua which got broken by three guys. Matt Jones broke the Capitol course record and finished solo third uh, at a PGA Tour event. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Rom and, Rom and Smith, obviously, man, I guess takeaway number one, I mean, Rom is just ridiculous. Um, we thought, you know, the layoff coming off of that, we hadn't really seen him since Ryder Cup, which obviously he looked great at, but had a couple mediocre performances in Europe, and maybe it takes a little bit of time to ride the engine up, we were thinking. At nine to one, I, I conceded it was a decent value, um, just compared to what we'd had the numbers we'd had to bet them on at, at bigger fields and more prestigious tournaments. But um, yeah, I, I did not anticipate thirty three under. And then you get to Cam Smith at thirty four under, shot four ridiculous rounds of golf. I think eight under, nine under, nine under, eight under. Um, did not like like Chris said he made 
two bogeys on Friday morning with the lead. Um, I think he played the first two holes at a cumulative three over par and the other 16 for the week at 37 under. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was just like, if you had a, if you had a chaser, like we had more cow, we had Burns, we had uh Zana who we let, who we live dad added, but um, yeah, he, he was just not, they were not getting any kind of help. It was like, you know, Xander would make a birdie or more cow would make a birdie or two come out the, come out of the blocks hot. And you're like, okay, if, if Cam gets off to a slow start, then, then we might have something here. And um, man, all credit to him. All credit to the guys that had him. I know it was a big uh, Twitter win. So that was good to see the community kind of get one. I was pulling for Cam too. Cause you know, you, you pull for the underdog when you don't have that, when you don't have, when you don't have the skin of the game and uh, going forward, man, he, he looks like um, he could be a real, real problem week to week on the PJ tour. He, he fixed the driving. It seems like, I mean, obviously Capilou is not the best, the biggest uh, litmus test as far as driving, uh, driving stats go with, with the pairs being so wide, but he finished, uh, he was, he led the field strokes going off the tee. He was top five in driving distance for the week, which is very encouraging. Um, if he could just reel in the dispersion a little bit, I mean, you take, you take away the driving weakness from Cam Smith and all of a sudden you, you can see what happens. I mean, with the putter and the iron play, um, he can, he can make as many birds as anybody. Yeah. And it just felt like, it felt like at all, at all times, you know, on Twitter, or whether you're watching or whatever, however you were consuming your content this weekend, it just felt like everybody was in the same tune of like, man, all it's going to take is one slip up from Cam Smith and Rom's going to yeah. take over. And that yeah. slip up never came. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I mean, they, and the fact that they also were playing together, I think probably helped them because they were just feeding off each other's energy. Um, yeah, maybe, but it gets, I mean, for Cam, I mean, the guy that, that's the biggest tournament he's ever won. And we've, and you know, we've, there's a reason the Twitter sentiment was like that. We've seen Cam Smith have these like really, really bad blow holes at the end of tournaments when he's in contention. We saw it the St. Jude, the answer one in the fall uh, when he went four ball rights um, on the, on the 72nd and then hit the second shot OB to pretty much take himself out of the tournament. We saw it in the playoff with Finau at the Northern Trust where again, high and right off the 18th tee, um, on the in the first playoff hole to give kind of give Fee now the cushion he needed to win the playoff, um, and then funnily enough on the 18th hole at Kapalua he did hit one high and right. I don't know if you saw the 18th hole, but when the star tracer went up, like it looked like right rough all day long. Now there's not that much trouble at Kapalua when you when you miss it right, so I wasn't concerned that he would um, he'd be like OB or anything. But I thought maybe you know the rough would catch it, he might have to lay it up, and then you never know uh, what what you can score you can make, especially when Rom's right there in the middle of the fairway. Um, but yeah, I think I think being able to stare down Rom for 36 holes, having the the base of the lead from the off, like he was the first round leader, he never really relented it. He was at least tied for lead after every round. So to go through that, stare down the world's best. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we we do see him this week. We'll go to the odds board uh, later today. But you know, Kenny carries momentum, and he's officially a top 10 player in the world. And if we're looking for candidates of guys that. Um, are on that Sam Burns, Patrick Cantley track of having um, having their status in this game elevated him, and Cam's got to be the top of the list. Right. So uh, right before we uh, hit record, we talked about how, you know, you were a little frustrated that you weren't part of the Cam uh, Cam betters this week. But, you know, we talked about last week how there was one guy that would, if he won, you would be mad about, and that was Patrick Cantley. So I guess you touched a lot on Cam Smith, but what was your overall thoughts on Cantley? And I guess it will even lump in Berger, who, man – Daniel yeah. Berger looks really good this weekend too. He's phenomenal, man. Until I Sunday, mean, I guess. Yeah, he had a bad Sunday, and he, I mean, he finished. I think he think he finished tied fifth with Morikawa. He actually had a chance to take the lead over Cantley. He had like a fifteen foot birdie putt on eighteen 
to finish solo fourth over Patty. Um, and I think three putted on 18, which is kind of the, the story of his week because he led the field in approach, which is what Berger um, is kind of prone to do after, after more cow and JT. I don't think there's a better iron player in the world than Daniel Berger right now. I'm kind of disappointed he's not here, even though we probably would have had to bet him like 11 to one. So that would have been tough to swallow, but uh, yeah, definitely Berger's on the up and up, man. He's, he's a guy I'm, I'm going to be looking to back in these big fields. I think he, he's got what it takes to take down the biggest tournaments of the game. And He's not quite at the level yet, um, maybe prestige-wise, to where he's priced with a Hovland or priced with a, a Cantley or a Xander or something like that. So you routinely get these guys in the discounts. He was at 22, 25 to one last week and um, really had every shot of winning that, that event kind of through two rounds. Cantley, uh, the reason I liked him, he was, again, he was kind of the best value of the super elite guys at the top for me at uh, 16 to one. Um, he's kind of had a history of playing well after long layoffs, doesn't really get affected by rust too much. And yeah, I mean, can't lose rock solid. It was just like, you can't really take, you can't really knock a guy for finishing what 28 under par, 27 under par and come on T4, like and still losing by eight shots. It's just, he was up against two guys that were at the top of their games and Matt Jones who played phenomenal as well. So um, yeah, I guess the reason I was frustrated, I mean, it's always, it's always a bit of FOMO when you, when you talk to some of these guys week in, week out about their picks and you see, you know, I mean, I, Everyone knew Cam Smith was a, was a good course fit, and he was touted by a lot of guys going into the week. Um, I just wasn't ready to to pull the trigger at twenty two to one. I just didn't see him um, as being that caliber of player. I I would have bet Berger first. I did bet Burns first over him. Um, so he was just kind of maybe in the middle to the back of that kind of list of guys at twenty two. Um, but I guess the the frustrating part, and it's hindsight, and it's a little dangerous to think this way, but I mean. Kapalua just looking back was such a clear course fit for him because of what we talked about. Like he, he's just like speed. He has the one glaring weakness with the driver and then everything else. He was just, his iron play was ridiculous. His iron play was phenomenal at the end of the fall. Uh, his putter is obviously probably one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. And this round of green plays great. So you take the driver problems out of play for Cam and all of a sudden you have a guy that legitimately has a case to be the best in the world uh, once they get off the tee. So uh, you know, when, when you're watching Cam Smith just pouring birdie after birdie and your guys and Colin Morcal's out here like three putting from 30 feet, yeah, you, you think about <laughs> what could have been a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, I'm happy for Cam, happy for the guys hit him, and uh, we'll try to get another one. We'll try to get on the board here at Wiley in, uh, in 2022. Cool. So, yeah, that's a good good way to segue. So the second part of our Hawaii swing here in Wiley Country Club in Honolulu, I think. Um, it's Honolulu, Hawaii. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess first, this is the first event of the year. That's a cut event. Correct. Right. Right. Full field 144, the full treatment, man. We got a full betting board to go over plenty of guys at 300 to one that <laughs> have no chance of winning. Yeah. All right. So I'll let you take over with your uh, course preview and then, uh, we'll, we'll start talking about some of these, some of these guys on the board and who we're ultimately going with. Yeah, by all means. All right, so yeah, 2022 Sony Open. Uh, been played at Wildlife Country Club, uh, I think, since like the 1960s. It's been, it's it's one of the kind of the longer standing events here on the PGA Tour, similar to, to Kapalua. Um, very classical golf course here on the PGA Tour. We're looking at a 7,044 yard par 70. Um, coastal course, just like um, you'd expect in Hawaii. Winds are always a threat. They kicked up in uh, 2020 um, when Cam Smith actually won two years ago. Uh, that was his maiden PGA Tour win, his only other PGA Tour win, uh, at least solo, um, after his win at Capitola last week. But, yeah, coastal course, wins are always a threat, but 
kind of a shorter Bermuda track comparable to your Harbor Towns, your Sedgefields, your Colonials, PGA Nationals, um, and Mayakobas. Um, yeah, past champions here are going to be uh, Kevin Na was a defending champion, 21 under last year. Cam Smith at 11 under in 2020. Matt Kuchar, minus 22 in 2019. Pat Kazar, minus 17 in 2018. And JT um, completed the Hawaii double in 2017, winning the TOC and then winning the Sony Open at 27 under, shooting a 59 in the first round and winning by eight. Um, so we saw silly Justin Thomas there for two weeks, and that's, that's exactly what happens. So Cam Smith looking to be the latest uh, Hawaii double winner here in 2022. But as a group, Nas, Smith, Kuchar, Kazire, Thomas, um, not really the best drivers of the golf ball. Um, uh, you know, JT won here, losing strokes, um, losing strokes to the field off the tee, leading in driving distance, but just kind of spraying them all over the place. Kevin Nas, Kuchar, um, more kind of control players. And then Kazire and Smith have always been kind of below average drivers of the golf ball. Um, but every single one of them can get hot with the irons and with the putter. And that's going to be kind of the main theme this week, you know, shorter golf course, positional golf course, as long as you really keep the ball in play with the driver, I don't really think uh, that's a going to be a huge factor this week. It's really going to be about creating chances um, with the irons on these kind of smaller greens. It's nowhere near the, um, it's a bit more claustrophobic than Kapalua was last week or a lot more claustrophobic than Kapalua was last week. You have definite, um, it's, it's definitely more geared for accuracy players, positional players, um, whereas Kapalua, you can kind of hit and giggle it around and um, at least off the tee and then attack flags with wedges and, and the short irons. Um, so, yeah, huge correlator here. We mentioned earlier uh, with some of the comp courses, but huge correlator here with Mayakoba. Uh, both Kazire and Kuchar actually won both events uh, in the span of two months and back-to-back years. So Kazire won um, Mayakoba in 2017, won here in 2018. Kuchar won Mayakoba in 2018 and won here in 2019. So in the span of like two months, both of them went back-to-back in those two events. It makes sense. Uh, both kind of shorter positional coastal golf courses, um, kind of windier, slower greens. Um, and yeah, so if Victor Hovland ever decides to come to the Sony Open, uh, I was just thinking, I was really sitting here thinking, yeah. like, man, if only Hovland was here this week. As man, talk about somebody who's, I guess we didn't really touch on him. Talk about somebody who's disappointing last week, though. Yeah. And it's funny because I was, he was actually, um, uh, also. Something to go over the tournament champions. I don't know if you have ESPN Plus. I do not. You do not. If nope. you any any up and coming golf fan that wants to watch more golf, like you know, if you uh, you know have a job that precludes you for or that allows you to have uh, some golf coverage on and um, and kind of the mid afternoon there, the ESPN Plus coverage was phenomenal. Like they the the one big gripe I had with NBC and a lot of people have NBC was it was kind of just. Um, it was a lot of times like a one or two man band where they would show the two feature groups and that would be it. You had no idea what's going on with the rest of the golf course and ESPN plus, even though they did cover, they had groups that they followed more so than others. Like they would show the, the holes coming up and they would show um, players that are just now teeing off or guys that they had storylines on. So um, yeah, it's, it was a definite upgrade for me. So if you, you know, want to, want to drop the six ninety nine per month for subscription, I think it's totally worth it for the golf coverage if you're not coming. Uh, golf watcher but yeah I, I was gonna say he was in the first round coverage with Kepka, and like through 13 holes I was like oh wow well Victor Holland's gonna win again <laughs> and uh and he's gonna he's gonna go with three because he was like six under par or like five under par through 13 he was just I mean he was cruising because Hoblin he's already a great driver of the golf ball he doesn't need any more help with these wide fairways and then obviously his iron plays phenomenal so he's just like peppering flag sticks and you're like 
oh lord he's gonna do like 59 every single day and then he like and all of a sudden he goes ob right on the short par 414th one of the easier holes on the golf course i think makes double there and then the wheels kind of fall off um which is kind of what we saw uh from colin you know like it on when the when the winning score is 34 under like if you make like a mistake or two like a bad mistake like you're just done <laughs> unless you just like compound that with like three straight birdies so uh yeah hovland i i'm not really gonna i think he still finished pretty well for the week and the, the ball strike numbers look good it was just kind of the putting but yeah definitely definitely i did i definitely didn't expect to see hovland like t 35 like by saturday yeah. when he was like six under through through 13 but um but yeah we talk about my coba um talking about the correlate here with my Coba um, five of the last six champions have also had a uh, have also come off an appearance at the tournament champions week prior uh, Cam Smith is the only exception. So of the six guys, I, or the five guys I listed plus Fabian Gomez, um, Nah, Kuchar, Kazire and JT, obviously all played the tournament champions. Now I know, I know Gaiman and, and Lack did a, um, a bit of a, a bit of, they kind of wax put a little bit on this stats um, kind of saying that, uh, it's it's kind of an obvious stat because the best players tend to play at the tournament champions because the best players win events, so they get the invitation uh, to Maui, and then you know the one when they come to Oahu and they play the Sony, they're still gonna be the better players in the field. So maybe a little bit of an empty stat there, but there is something to be said for having a bit of a warm up, uh, a competitive warm up uh, in preparation for this event. Um, so yeah, five of the last six champions here have come off a appearance at the TOC. Um, and you don't necessarily have to have, have had the best week at Kapalua. Nah, actually last year finished like third to last, lost like five strokes on approach and then gained like eight strokes on approach the next week, um, to, to win here at, at the Sony. So very, very different courses. So I really wouldn't put much stock into like, say yeah, like Abe answer. Who's just not like, not really course fit at Kapalua. Um, he's a very popular child here and I wouldn't really just because he didn't really fare well um, on Maui doesn't mean <clears throat> that he's not going to have a good week here in Oahu because as, as courses in this close proximity go, they're actually very, very, um, very different. So yeah, with that, my, uh, my key stats, I guess, would be in par 70 um, strokes gain par fours is going to be kind of the main stat here for us um, alongside approach play and putting um, the proximity ranges I'm looking at are going to be 125. To 150, 150 to 75, and 175 to 200. Uh, those three ranges account for about two thirds of the approach shots here. So it makes sense. A lot of par fours, you're going to have a lot of kind of short mid irons, maybe a few wedges for the longer guys. Um, and then obviously, accuracy, driving accuracy for me is more important uh, than driving distance with it being more positional golf course. Um, the fairway percentage here is also among the lowest on tour, 53% here compared to 62% of the course average, tour average. Um, Although the rough isn't all that penal. So even though the fair percentage is pretty low, the, um, the GR percentage is about tour average. So the rough isn't going to be affecting these guys' ability to hit green. It's more so just about control distance. And obviously, if you had your choice, you want your guys in the fairway um, to go and attack these pins. So it's not really a place that, again, Kevin Na, JT, um, Cam Smith, like they've been known to spray the ball off the tee. Um, it's not really a place that, is going to take driving into a huge um, – is going to take driving into account too much. But if I had to weigh driving, it's definitely uh, fairways over distance. So, yeah, that's that's my um, my basic recap. You know, we, we've come here enough. Uh, Wild is kind of, a, again, like a classic course. Um, 
And you see a lot of the same kind of names. You know, I, I've got a list here of kind of the comp courses, these kind of short par sevens we see, particularly in the Southeast with the Bermuda Greens, Colonial, Heritage, Mycoba, Wyndham, Sony, RSM, um, very similar leaderboards kind of going up and down. So, uh, and that's kind of a common thread in, in the picks that I've made. Gotcha. All right. So I guess with that being said, we'll, we'll go ahead and start taking a look at the board here. Um, so leading the top of the charge is our uh, defending Hawaii champion here, Cameron Smith. Uh, yeah. Defending as in last week, not here last year, as Ian mentioned, yeah. Kevin Na won last year here. Um, but yeah, Cam Smith. Um, and then, yeah, third on the board, we got two Aussies, so Mark Leishman, and I think he's actually, from what I've seen, another popular pick. And we also, I'm pretty sure, if I recall correctly, there was four Aussies in the top ten last week. Yeah, Cam Smith, uh, Matt Jones, Mark Leishman, Cam Davis. Correct. Um, so, yeah, now we have two of the three back here at the top um, this week. Um, and then I guess one that surprised me a little bit was um, Sungjae um, being second on the board here above, I guess, some of the names below him just kind of shocked me a little bit. So maybe talk about that real quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sungjae and, and the board, Chris is referencing, I see it now, he has 12 to 1. He was not 12 to 1 last time I looked at this board. It was like 16, um, maybe 18. I guess with Bryce's WD, it affected him a lot more maybe than the other guys, but yeah, I mean, Sunday makes a lot of sense here. You talk about like short Florida courses. I mean, you want to be accurate off the tee. You want to hit your irons well um, and putt well in Bermuda. I mean, that's kind of Sungjae to a tee. Um, him along with a guy that we're going to get to as my first pick. And if you've followed the Twitter page, you've already seen the, the full card, but we'll we'll give our analysis the best we can here. Um, but yeah, Sungjae was definitely, if, if I'm going to the top, it's either him or Webb uh, who's at, at the top of my card. Um yeah, it makes a lot of sense. At 12 to 1, I don't think I'm going to be betting Sungjae anytime soon. But um, if you could find a 16, which I'm pretty sure you can't still at this point in time, um, I have no problem with Sungjae. As far as Cam Smith goes at 10 to 1, uh, I'm, I'm not ready to do that, like, ever. <laughs> I don't really care what the event is. Um, yeah, he's, he's won here in the past. He's obviously playing phenomenally well. But uh, 10 to 1 to win a full-field event for a guy like Cam Smith, like, it, if Colin Morikawa was here, like, what would his number be? Like it wouldn't be much better than this or much worse than this. Right. So like, yeah, I, I I'm bullish on cam long-term full disclosure. I, I put a little US open feature on him at 50 to one at Brookline um, a place that emphasizes short game is, is kind of a shorter US open course. So his length or his lack of length might, um, might not hurt him as much there, but um, so I am, I, I think cam Smith is in for a good year, but uh, I won't be betting with 10 to one, no matter really where we are. So, um, and I've really seen anyone that, that was one to make that plunge. Leishman at 16 is, is also interesting. We mentioned last week that I'm, I'm not really a big Leishman guy. And even though I saw kind of the peripherals and, and kind of what everyone else was seeing, he was another guy who was, who was pretty hotly tipped last week. I think he finished, like Chris said, inside the top 10. He was, he was lurking there for a little while um, alongside the Burgers and Cantleys and the Joneses of the world. Um, comes here, he, he was, I believe, third or fourth here last year. We actually, um, yeah, I think I had a little bit of money on him last year. And he finished two shots off the lead or two shots off the pace. So I get it. But if I'm going to make a move here at the top, it is going to be with Webb Simpson, the 16 to one. Um, he was, he was the, uh, the first guy on my card. I mean, we talked about, was talked about Song Jay's potential course fit. Uh, Webb is pretty much the king of the short par seventies. Uh, Bermuda greens emphasis on approach play and putting. Um, there's not really a more proven guy in this type of field than Webb. Um, he has all the comps we talked about. He has an incredible course history. He's actually, um, the number one by strokes game metrics. He's the number one player, um, in his, his in, in the last five years at colonial he's number two at Wyndham. He's number four at heritage. 
Um, he is number five at RSM. So he repeatedly pops at these type of events right here. Um, again, he has an, um, and then we haven't, we haven't mentioned his history here at Sony. He has an active streak here of 11 cuts made here at Wileye. Um, he also has a streak of seven consecutive top 20s here in Oahu and three straight top fours. So he finished 20, uh, fourth in 2021 last year, third in 2020, and then fourth again in 2018. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what Webb does well, he does extraordinarily well. He's not exactly um, a guy that I tend to bet at a lot of these kind of big-time events because typically when the big boys get together, it's kind of a more traditional, a more classic traditional American golf course that you have to – like distance is just much more of a factor. But when you get Webb on a golf course where he can play positionally, he can play for the fairways, he can hit his irons well and, and have a look at putts on these kind of greens – um, yeah, I, I get suddenly a lot more bullish on a guy like him. Um, I guess the, the bull or the bear case would be at 36. I guess you could argue the skill sets begin to, to deteriorate a little bit, uh, from the web we once knew, I guess when, when I first started this thing, I mean, web was, or golf betting this web was like a perennial top 10, 15 player in the world. He's actually dropped to 29th in the world, which is uh, kind of crazy for me, but I'm just going back on the course history. If there's one thing we can still trust him to do, it's play well on his covered courses. He had five top tens in 2021. Four of them were out on the courses that I've talked about, Heritage, Wyndham, RSM, and Sony. And he also had his um, one of his best ball strike performances ever the last time we saw him at Sea Island in Georgia, um, the one where Taylor Gooch won, where he gained uh, 9.8 strokes on approach, 1.2 off the tee, um, his best register round with his irons. So, yeah, Webb Simpson, 16 to 1. I understand. I've seen tweets that kind of um, the Sony Open kind of gears more towards long shots. I mean, Nah was sixty to one, I believe, last year. Obviously, uh, Cam Smith was like forty to one. Same with Kucher. Kazire was way up the board. So the Sony Open has intended to be a place where favorites really uh, reign supreme here, uh, in comparison to other places, which makes sense because. There, don't, there doesn't tend to be as many elite players. So, you know, the less, obviously, the less, like, top, top guys you have to beat, the more viable the guys at 60 to 1, 70 to 1, 80 to 1 become. Just because, like I said, if, like, if Webb, Smith, and Sungjae just happen to have off weeks, then all of a sudden you're looking at, like, you know, the A-Banches of the world and the Kevin Nas of the world. And those guys just aren't as um, aren't as intimidating. They're not as consistent. So there's less of a gap between maybe the 20 – eight to one range versus like the 66 to one range this week. Um, but just, I, I couldn't go away from Webb, And especially when we got Bryson uh, W Ding here, Bryson was initially, I think the second favorite, he was 12 to one on this board. Um, and, you know, WD with the wrist injury. So it was kind of a bit of a scramble for me on Monday morning to, to kind of get the numbers uh, to kind of see the numbers to, to get odds posted. And um, when I saw Webb at 60 to one, you, you just have to click that. So um, yeah, that's my, that's my spiel on Weber. Gotcha. So then we, we move down to the guys, I guess, in the 20s. And some of these guys you just mentioned, and then you mentioned uh, previous champ too, Kevin Nas in this range. But in the 20s, you got Corey Connors, Abe Answer, Kevin Na, um, Taylor Gooch, Billy Horschel. Um, so yeah, we do have one guy in this range. Um, and then, you know, you got a guy like, I guess, I guess what I was kind of getting at earlier with the whole Sungjae take was it's surprising to me. And I'm probably a little bit higher on Hideki, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, considering that he was one of my hits last year. But Seeing Hideki at 18, um, you think he's kind of a premier name of the guys here this week. Um, yeah. So, uh, but then obviously, you know, um, Connors is a is a really hot name right now. 
Um, I feel like, you know, in the, a lot of podcasts leading up to this, um, listen to it. Everyone seems to just think that Connors is just right there on the precipice to kind of push him through. Um, right. So it's, it's really interesting to see um, that he's well, a little foreshadowing here that he's on our card this week. So we get to, we get to root for that, for that breakthrough to happen. <laughs> Chris gets to Chris gets to have the full Corey Cause experience. Um, so don't <laughs> don't ruin it for him, guys. Don't don't tell him that he's gonna miss every three footer that he hits it to. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, Corey, Corey we've, Connors, we've been there last year. We were there last year. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's he's small my pick enough. He knows who Corey Connors is. Um, but yeah, Corey Connors 25 to 1. I got him at. Uh he's he's kind of routinely been in the 25. I saw him at like open at like 30. 25 to 30 range. He's slowly drifted down to like 22, 20. I've seen 18s and 16 somewhere, which is getting a bit ridiculous. Um, like I would never touch Corey Connors at that price. But if I had to, if I, if I did have a top 10 players to Chris's point that I'm bullish on for 2022, I mean, Corey Connors would certainly be at the top of that list. Um, going back to last year, only three players on the entire PGA tour averaged more strokes per round ball striking than, than uh, Corey did. I don't know if you want to try to guess those Chris, but Corey Connors, who do you think they're, who are the three guys that uh, that were better ball strikers last year than Corey Connors? Um, I guess I would say, I mean, you guys go with Rom, right? Yeah, this is not a true question, by the way. <laughs> not a true question? So no. I guess like Rom Markawa and – oh, man, I don't even know who the third one would be. Um, Think about a preview. Do what? Think about the preview show. A preview show. Okay, that was a lot of good names. So that's not really a good name. <laughs> the top of the list at the, on the preview show. <laughs> oh, Hovland. Yes, there you okay. go, Victor Hovland. So literally, I mean, that's why when when you see these guys, you see why Corey Connors is so highly talented because he ball striking week over week is the more consistent measure of performance. Um, and Corey Connors has done it as well as anyone on the PGA Tour. Like he is up there with the elite names when it comes to the driving, when it comes to the iron play. And he fits this course incredibly well. We talked about positional golf. Um, Connors has, um, sorry. Yeah, Connors has a great history on these kind of shorter Bermuda tracks, uh, whether, whether it's Colonial, uh, whether it's Heritage, where he, he competed at last year, um, the Sony Open here as well, uh, the RSM. Um, yeah, like when you, Connors is very much, I guess, if we're, if we're going off these three names that we just listed, the, uh, the Hob and the Rom and the Morikawa, Connors is kind of the B-grade Morikawa in that sense, where he doesn't really have the immense distance that Hob and Rom have, but he does have the accuracy. Um, he is number one in fairways gained um, in this field. He is number one in good drives gained as well, which is a, a drive that basically results in a, in a green regulation. Um, and so you're not going to have – he's not going to be getting himself in too much trouble off the tee. Obviously, the iron play is – incredible as well and fun enough for Corey Connors he is actually in three events here at the Sony he's actually never lost strokes putting so um he in 2018 his, his debut appearance he finished 39th gained 5.8 strokes putting actually lost strokes on approach that week uh 2019 the next year he finished third in the Sony uh gained 7.1 on approach and 2.2 putting uh which is exactly the formula we were hoping to have this week um and the, the formula that can lead to wins if you if you ball strike your way if you ball strike it that well he gained almost 10 strokes TD green and then putt, uh, gained two strokes putting. You have every chance to win it on the PGA Tour. And then last year, again, another 5.1 with the uh, with a flat stick uh, and a 12th place finish. So when I whenever I see positive Corey Connors putting stats, like I'm just jumping on it. And at 25 to one, um, yeah, I was I was kind of all over that. He he's coming off a decent fall. He hasn't missed a cut uh, since the US Open. 
uh, last July or last June is the sixth. Yeah. <laughs> June is the sixth month, I guess. Right. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't missed a cut since the uh, U.S. Open uh, in June. Finished 22nd in the Arsenal Classic, 40th the Shriners, 17th the Sanderson Farms, um, and then had three kind of top 22s there in the FedEx Cup playoffs. So, um, yeah, he's, he's rounding into form. He's one of the best ball strikers year over year or week or month over month in the PJ Tour in 2021. And, um, yeah, I think this is the perfect kind of fit for him when he comes so, to the court and the experience on the greens. So if, if our listeners didn't catch the tweet, I don't know if that was yesterday or today, but with your initial number where you got him at 25, and they're sitting looking at this board now where he's at 22 or you mentioned some books 18 or 16 or I guess what is that number for you where you're no longer comfortable? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I guess 22 is still, is still a really good number. Once you start getting to the teens and, and to Chris's point, once you start competing with Hideki's and, and the webs and the Sung Jays and, and all these kind of the, the faces of this tournament, at least for this iteration, I start to get a little bit antsy just because Connor's, he does have a PGA Tour win, but it was back in 2019, the Valero. So he hasn't really, despite all the stats, he hasn't really had the success that you would um, kind of envision for a guy that that plays that's played as well as he has for this extended amount of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, at 20 in the 20s, I I will I'll easily take the upside here. Um, but but yeah, the, the number's definitely falling. So if you if you have a 22 or 25 and, and you see it, then I would I would absolutely click that. Um, yeah, but that, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Cause I, I was staring at, I was staring at the 22 for a long time until the book, um, until the, another book dropped to 25 and that was kind of my, my go, go, go moment. But if we're being honest, like I, I tend to get pretty stubborn with these sort of things. So once I like start staring at somebody, like it's kind of inevitable, I'm going to bet them. It's just a matter of like what number I'm going to end up, end up getting. Yeah, no, I, I relate to that in the NASCAR world too. Which God, I'm getting antsy just talking about all this stuff, man. I was just I keep thinking like, oh, no, in about ten minutes we're talking about NASCAR, but no, not, not yet. I need to be a little patient. Hey, man, every week it gets closer. February sixth, man. Uh, test, keep, testing keep the Daytona talking. today, though. We're testing Daytona today. How could you not be excited yeah. right now? I know you, you, you're blowing you and uh, you and our future guest Thomas Francis blowing up my uh, my group chat feed with a new Tyler Reddick <laughs> paint job. Dude, so many paint jobs are like released today. We had Tyler Reddick, we had Kevin Harvick. Hamlin's Hamlin look good. Hamlin's, yeah. Um, there's somebody else. Oh, I think. Um, oh my God, I can see the car in my head. Stenhouse did his, and Chastain, Rush Chastain did his as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah. Anyways, back to golf. So um, yeah, so I guess now we're down looking like the like the 30 to 40 range. Um, I guess some names that I kind of see here. You know, we still have Gucci 28. Um, Harris English is 33. Matt Jones, who we just saw on fire um, at 33, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure last week he was like 75 <laughs> to 100 to one or maybe yeah, he was, one. he was like the bottom of the board. I think I reversed him actually. It's funny because we bet home at 150, and I was like, yeah, why is Max home at 150 when Matt Jones is also 150? <laughs> I think I, I, yeah, actually, I think I can. We can go back and pull that for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see who else we got. So we got yeah, Russell Henley at 33. So maybe there are some good names on here. Um, yeah. Kokrak at 40, Seamus Power at 40. Another popular name, actually, Seamus Power this week. Uh, but one of those guys that we just that I just mentioned is in our card this week, so I'll let you take over for your next guy on the card. Right. And, and to Chris's point, I think if I hadn't have clipped Webb at 16, this is the range I would have absolutely hammered. I would have had at least two more guys. Um, as opposed to Webb at 16, I would have had just two more guys, kind of the 30 or 40 range. Um, obviously, Henley – is kind of mini web in this regard, like short Bermuda courses. We've talked about a lot of positional players, good iron play, 
pretty good Bermuda putter. Um, I know Henley burned a lot of us at Wyndham. He's burned a lot of people kind of throughout his career. Um, yeah, we're, I guess <laughs> now that I'm kind of thinking about it, like Henley is kind of like the old generation Corey Connors. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to put that voodoo on Corey because obviously he's he, he is a little bit um, earlier in his development stage than, than Henley would be. But um, but yeah, Henley definitely he he rates out really well on the metrics. It's just can you trust him to actually win a golf tournament? Um, we saw him gag away a three shot lead with seven to play at the Wyndham three putting from 10 feet and whatnot. Um, Billy Horschel, great, great uh, track record on Bermuda as well as Harris English, Kevin Kisner. Again, we're seeing a lot of these very similar names, you know, the guys we see in the Southeast and the fall swings and these kind of smaller events um, on these sort of golf courses, these guys, they recognize exactly what the Sony is. It's an opportunity for these guys to win because when you go to the Rivieras and the um, Arnold Palmers, the Bay Hills, the, Mirafell Village is like the Kevin Kisses of the world, like are just dead money there, um, at, at least in, from an outright perspective. But from but here, you know, guys like Kisner, Horschel, English, Henley, yeah, you can make a great case on all those guys. Power, another guy that I was really close to betting. Um, the guy Chris is alluding to was Jason Kokrak. I got him at 55 to one. I see him at 40, 45 to one around as well. Um, and I, I really don't understand that, like whatsoever. This is really for me more of just a numbers play for, for on Kokrak. Um, not a ton of like, recent stats to back this up or I, I say recent, but he literally just won his second to last start. Um, but to see Kokrak at 40 to one alongside guys like power um, guys like the who behind guys like Mac Jones and Kevin Kisner, like Kokrak's won three times in the last 15 months um, and not, not small events either. He won the Houston open uh, overcoming guys like Scheffler and Wolf. He won the CJ cup over got overcoming guys like Xander and Henley. Um, and then he won and CJ Cup is obviously, a big field event here as well. And then winning the, oh, the Charles Schwab, where you all Jordan Spieth and Colonial happens to be one of my concourses. So there, there's a little check mark as well in the box of, of Kokrak, but we've seen him prove a winner. He, when he's on, he's just, I mean, he's as good as anyone on tour. Like he can win anywhere. Great driver of the golf ball, which obviously doesn't hurt here. Um, great ball striker and, and the putter kind of took a leap forward last year. He was one of the better putters kind of of this top tier of golfers in, in the world. Um, and that's really what propelled him to, to success. So for me, getting a Coke wreck at 55 to one was just about as close to an auto click as like as humanly possible. I still love the 40 to one as well. Um, he's just a guy that if he's going to continue to be underrated um, to the extent that books are willing to, to drop him here in the mid range of a field like this, um, I'm just going to keep hammering and, and, and bank on the proven upside we've seen from him. You know, as much as I love the Seamus powers in the world, and as much as I love the Mad McNeely's and the, um, the Bazaden Hoots and the Cameron Davis is like Kokrak's just more proven than those guys. And, and I, I, I think he's proven that he can win any event in golf. Like he just got the game. Um, so to make things happen. So yeah, for me, not a, not a ton of stats. I mean, for what's worth, he was uh, top 10 in the model. It's not like he rates out awfully. Um, let's see if I can get to my model here real quick. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. So Kokrak was number 11, in my model. Uh, still rated out 21st on approach um, in the last 12 months, 13th in putting, fourth in opportunities gained, fifth in birdies and better gains. So um, the, the numbers obviously good. Uh, I guess the only case against them would be the horde performance he put out on the Capitol last week, um, particularly with the putter. That was kind of my main thing. Um, this is actually the that was the first week without Greens books. So we're, everyone was kind of on the lookout for guys that fall, fell off their baseline um, to like an extreme extent, you know, where um they either put it a lot better or a lot worse than kind of their baseline over the last 12 months 
24 months with the Reeds books. And Kokrak was one of those guys that um, appeared to be really hampered by the lack of Reeds books, but I'm not really going to take a one week sample um, into saying that he's a bad putter all of a sudden, just because he, he missed a few putts at Kapalua. So um, yeah, but I don't think there's that much else to say. I think Kokrak's uh, a top player. I mean, he's, as far as world rankings go, I think he's ranked above Webb as of right now. We're getting like 30 more points to Ben on Kokrak. So I'll take that every day. And I'm, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty positive. You might have your stats before, you might not. It's okay if you don't. But I'm almost positive I played him in DFS last week just because I think he's got a really good tracker at these Hawaii courses. Um, yes. So I, I know for a fact I played him as like – he was like literally my last pick in all my DFS lineups last week. It didn't really pan out. But, um, you know, the, the stats are there for, for him being good on this Hawaii swing. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. for sure. And Chris, definitely, uh, I appreciate that. You threw me a softball there because he he actually has never missed a cut here at the Sony Open. He has never really contended, contended. He's, he has two top 20s and then uh, four other kind of made cuts, but like 46, 56, 72nd, 75th. Um, worth noting that last year, he, he actually had the first round lead. He shot a 62 here last year on Thursday before kind of, excuse me, kind of uh, petering out as the week went along to finish uh, for a tee for a tie for 56, but uh, he's proven he can go low here. And he's just a, I think he's legitimately trying to corner is like just a really, really class play on the PG tour. I mean, he's a guy I would think about um, in majors going forward. I mean, he's got the length, he's got the putting, he's got the iron play. Um, the short game can, can kind of let him down from time to time, but um, I've definitely been looking at like Augusta national 125 to ones on Coke rack or, or like PJ championship or in the triple digits. Like I think he's, he's capable of, of making that kind of step forward uh, with his game. So. All right. So I guess that'll bring us to the deeper, deeper range here now. Um, but I guess call some names out in between um, this 50 to 80 range. Um, so like we, I, we've touched on them quite a bit this, this episode, but uh, the Aussie Cam Davis at, at 50 to one mm-hmm. um, Maverick McNeely at McNeely. You just touched on him as well. Um, he's also at 50 C Wu at 50 or, yeah, sorry, 50. Um, EVR at 66. Joel Damon at 66. Um, Keith Mitchell. So, I mean, it's pretty much a lot of the guys you see in this range. Um, I guess a name that I saw, and I, I saw a lot of people um, kind of bring him up on Twitter to see what people's thoughts were. But and if, if I recall correctly, I feel like just because my golf betting or slash DFS play doesn't go as far as back as yours, but I'm almost positive I remember playing Ryan Palmer last year in the Hawaii swing, or at least very early in the season. Um, so I don't know if, I know he didn't do anything really the rest of the season, but I, I am fairly confident. I played him a lot beginning of last year. You um, did. That's, that's a good memory, brother. Yeah. I mean, Palmer does have a good, uh, course history here. If I recall correctly, he, uh, he came seconds, um, to the other Cam Smith one. He was right in the mix there. And Palmer, I mean, to your point, he was legitimately like a top 25, 30 player in the world this time last year obviously had a kind of a down year um, after January, but yeah, he, he came fourth at the TOC uh, 41st at the Sony last year. Um, but he also came, he came fourth at the Sony in 2020. So okay. he does have a good course history. So yeah, you're right on about the Hawaii swing. Um, the recent form or at least the form in 2021 as a whole was, was abysmal. Uh, the Houston Open was a bit of a, the last event we saw with him, that the Houston Open was a bit of a, could have been a bit of a, a corner that he's turned, gained 2.3 strokes off the tee, 2.7 on approach. Short game let him out down a little bit, but finished 26, the tough uh, track there in Houston. Um, I don't hate Palmer at all. I think the upside could certainly be there, much like he has a game very similar to Kokrak, long off the tee, 
can get hot with the irons and, and, you know, can spike with a putter and be as dangerous as anybody. Um, for me, I just haven't seen quite enough yet uh, to really put him on a card. But um, yeah, as a sneaky DFS play, I don't mind that one bit. Um, the other names you mentioned, I mean, McNeely is, is a kind of a Twitter darling, um, a guy that we saw contend at the Fortinet, the first swing season events, has kind of been hanging around, good drive of the golf ball. Um, just, a, just a solid player all around. Well, he does like these kind of coastal tracks. We've seen him at Harbor Town and, and Pebble Beach can, um, compete at both of those courses. So kind of these shorter uh, coastal tracks and small greens. So I don't, I don't mind that pick. Uh, we haven't really seen him turn the corner yet, though, is, is the thing. We haven't seen him you know, get that first PJ Tour win, but I think this is a, a good a spot as any. Uh, Chris Kirk, a guy, another guy in the Kisner, Henley, Horschel Mold, a, a Georgia guy. Fresh off their fresh off their national championship, maybe riding a bit of momentum there. But um, again, he finished second place to Kevin Na last year, and again pops these kind of southeastern tracks. So yeah, I, I like a lot of these names. Like I said, if, if these top guys just don't have, happen to have it this week, then yeah, I think you'd easily see a sixty-six to one winner. I'm more, I'm a lot more prone to uh, betting guys in this, in this range as opposed to most weeks where I kind of like to stick in the fifty. 50 to one or 40 to one and below and kind of just bang on the top guys. Um, but, uh, and that's kind of why I left a little bit of in the budget this week. So I have a, I have a little bullet at 66 to one or maybe a couple bullets in the trouble did. So I need them. Um, so yeah, guys like Damon, guys like Kirk McCarthy's a great, is like an elite putter. He's one of the best premier putters long-term EVR. Like you mentioned has, has shown a little bit of form winning in the fall um, in the swing season event, but uh, we'll go to the guy that I actually did bet which would be Tom Hoagie. I see him at 80 to one here. I got him at 90 to one in my book. Um, but yeah, Tom Hoagie, a, a, a name that uh, I don't think um, maybe the larger golf audience has would really recognize, but a guy that has legitimately been one of the better iron players on tour um, kind of in the last six months or so or the last over his last 24 rounds, he actually ranks out number two of, of any player on the PJ tour outside um, with strokes and approach. He only trails Daniel Berger in that particular metric. So, the iron play has been phenomenal. Um, and all my key proximity ranges, he actually rates out um, in the top 10 um, over the last 100 rounds from 175 to 200, 150 to 175, and 125 to 150. Uh, he's fourth in overall proximity as well. And he's actually has he has some good course history here to go with it. Um, yeah, so he um, – so obviously when, you, when you're looking at the guy that – that hits these kind of pressures you're looking for, for someone that can, you're looking for a place for him to spike with the putter to pay off some of those birdie chances. Um, and the Sony, he's actually, he's come here. This will be his seventh time here. He's gained strokes on, he's gained strokes on the greens in four of his six trips so far um, with a 12th place finish in 2020, a third place finish in 2018. Um, also spiked the last time we saw him at the RSM um, with a fourth place finish there in Seattle and Georgia and on the comp course. So Hoagie's a guy, yeah, at the, at the back of the board, um, I feel like you you need a particular skill set here. You need to either be able to take over with your irons or take over with with the putter. And uh, Hoagie's a guy I've seen flash. I think he's a guy that's ready to uh, to really contend and and get his first PJ Tour win and ninety to one. Um, I was all over that. I think he's has the game to compete. Gotcha. So I guess yeah, I guess in that same range, um, it's interesting to hear you say because. I'll be honest. I had no clue how to say this guy's last name. So it's interesting <laughs> to see you say to say Hoagie because I was definitely going with Hogue. Okay. Um, but but also on that same note, um, there's like two guys that it, it was interesting to hear you say how good an iron player is and how high you are in this week. 
And yeah, there are two guys in this 80 to one range that I don't even think I've ever heard of, and Aaron Rye and Takumi Kanaya. Okay, um, yeah. The, the only thing I know car. about Takumi Takumi is that it's a car on Rocket League. So yeah, that's all <laughs> I got going for me there. <laughs> and I did not know that. So there's the crossover, man. That's why it works so well. Uh, yeah, Takumi Kanaya actually, but I've almost made my card this week. So that would have okay. been hysterical if uh, if I actually picked him and you you just you just nodded at me with a blank stare like you had no idea who he was. So Takumi is actually so you'll notice a lot. Uh, obviously, Hideki's here, um, Takumi's here, and then if you scroll down a little bit farther, you'll see some Japanese a bit of a Japanese contention. Yeah, um, the Sony Open has a bit of a um, partnership with the Japanese tour, with it being in the Pacific Islands, and so the top five, I believe, order merit on the Japanese tour just get a free um kind of shot trial run here on a pj tour event which is you know for most of them kind of the biggest stage they'll ever play on or um unless they reach a threshold where they can play in a world golf championship or a major or something like that but this is a big deal for for kind of these japanese guys takumi actually formerly number one amateur in the world he's 23 years old um actually the last time we saw him we did see him at the zozo which is another kind of crossover japanese tour pj tour event with obviously being in japan uh, finished t7 there on a really tough golf course in arashino and actually has a has had a great run of form on the Japanese tour. I think he's went like third, third, fourth, seventh, seventh, if I if I recall my research correctly. Um, so he's in, obviously in great form. He has the pedigree as the number one amateur or former number one amateur in the world. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think um, he's and he's actually I think number fifty in the world right now based on that Japanese um, those Japanese results. So I just kind of want to take a shot on the upside. Full disclosure, I would not have bet him at 80 to one. I found a 150 that I was like pretty close to betting, gotcha. but I was like, but I, I was like, do I want to bet Takumi here or just save my bullets for a live ad? And I was like, let's just save him for a live ad. Maybe Takumi gets off to a hot start and I can add him later. Um, but yeah, he's definitely an interesting name. I, I like Takumi a lot. And, you know, it, we, we kind of fetishize potential a lot in, in sports and, and particularly in golf and, as well. Um, and yeah, he's just kind of the next, kind of darling young kid that we're hoping can be the, the new Hideki hopefully, or maybe um, be another elite player in the, in the, in the mold of a Sungjae or a Hovland or Morikawa or something like that, that we've seen kind of just come from the amateur ranks straight into the pros and, um, and, and get results in a, in a hurry. So at some, maybe 80 to one feels like you're buying a little bit high on the hype compared to, you know, when you see proven guys on the PJ tour that, have played this tour week in, week out of, you know, a guy like Brandon Steele, who's come, I believe, second. I think he has second and 12th in his, in his last two events, or last two starts here at the Sony. Um, a guy like Brendan Todd, who has a win at Mayakoba. A guy like Keegan Bradley, who, I mean, he he is Keegan Bradley. Like, he's um, he's everything that I hope Corey Connors doesn't turn out to be, even though Keegan's won a major. <laughs> but the current naking Bradley is what I'm talking about more so. Um and then Aaron Rye is actually um, a pretty intriguing European tour player, which I, I don't know how he got his full PGA Tour membership, but he's here and um, he, he's a winner on the European tour. Um, good ball striker, good iron player. I, I recall seeing him in the swing season uh, with a couple of solid events. So, again, I wouldn't bet them at 80 to 1, but you get them at – I mean, they're interesting names. They're kind of on my little – like I make a little short list of guys to keep an eye on and, and – they kind of have a small enough sample size in the PJ tour to where I'm going to monitor the results and see kind of what's really there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my little spiel on, on Takumi. And I, I want to see him do well. Like if, if I, if, if you guarantee me, I was, I would lose all the money this week. I would like to see Takumi. Can I win? That's kind of my, uh, 
that's my angle here. Well, so you, so you'd have thought I'd have planned this, but I did, really didn't. That was that was totally off off the cuff right there. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> also, just just a quick uh, Wikipedia search on both these guys uh, <laughs> on Aaron Rye. It's mm-hmm. literally in his like you know like the first like two or three sentences is like they're like quick hitters of like yeah. their their big notes. The the last sentence on Aaron Rye saying he's one of the few professional golfers who wears two gloves. Oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> you you, you got to have a brand, right? <laughs> Kevin Kevin not walks in punts and uh, Aaron Rye wears two gloves. You gotta have, you gotta stand out somehow. I guess so. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's pretty much gonna wrap us up uh, this week. Uh, we pretty much we covered our full card. Um, we talked about a lot of the guys who comp well here. We talked about we hit on a lot of guys who potentially could be very very happy on your uh, your Thursday ad list. Um, so I guess unless you have any closing thoughts, I guess I guess we're closing out for the weekend. And hoping to get our first outright of 2022. Yeah, man, I, I feel really good about the card. You know, it's it's obviously easy to do on a on a Tuesday night, but um, I think that's, we got some really good numbers. We got a we had a couple bullets in the chamber. Hopefully, um, you know, I'll, I'll be monitoring on on Thursday afternoon um, to kind of see maybe some hot starters or or someone down the list that um, I think can actually make a run of this thing. I think this this place, like I said, it's kind of open to long shots, similar to like a Bermuda or similar to like a Sea Island. Um, it's a place where if you, if you play your game, you don't really have to be like, you know, Victor Hovland or John Ron off the tee. You don't have to, you know, hit your irons like Colin Morcow. You just have to plot around, play your game, make enough putts and, and you'll be there at the end. We've seen some long shots win. So it's a place I'm super excited for. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's all I got. Cool. All right. So I guess as always, guys, remember to follow at flag underscore hunting. Uh, to catch those live ads potentially on Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, Friday morning, you know, somewhere in that range. Um, I know he left a little bit in the budget just in case. So if any weeks yeah. is going to happen, this week might yeah. be when the we week. See, when we see like 14 units, you know what's coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> the budget's usually 15. So there's, uh, there, there's a couple couple pennies left in the, in the bank account. All right. Well, that'll do it for our wrap-up this week, wrap-up the Hawaii swing. And where are we off to next week? We are off to the American Express, which uh, coincidentally is the the place I got my first win of 2021. Hit and see with Kim there, 66 to one. So, PJ West going to California, bit of a West Coast swing coming up, and uh, I think we'll see a lot of new names next week because a lot of the guys that didn't want to make the trip all the way to Hawaii, um, they'll kind of start their season um, in California. So, cool, should be another cool deal. Time. All right, guys. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening and stay tuned next week as we'll, we'll keep it going. Hopefully with yeah. an outright. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully more to talk about with uh, more Sunday <laughs> anyways to talk about than just sitting there watching cancer be the John Rom t- uh, tear it up. That's right. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Peace.